good evening and welcome to Geek Hard, right here on Reality Radio 101. And now, right to your geeks, Andrew Young and Mr. Green. Welcome to Geek Card, where there ain't no sunshine when she's gone. I'm your host, Andrew Young, and with me as always is Mr. Green. Hi. Hi. Are you doing okay today, Mr. Green? I am. Okay. Well, for the next 60 minutes, I need you to be on your best behavior, okay? Oh, okay. Okay. I, I could. I think I could do that. There we go. All right. That uh, regressive therapy is really working for you. Uh, we got a great show for you tonight, people. Uh, later, I couldn't get rid of this gray. No, no. The the green is gray, definitely. Uh, later on the program, we're going to be talking with filmmaker, producer, screenwriter, and comic book writer Brian Edward Hill. Uh, we're actually going to talk about his comic work, talking about his doing Blade right now and Ultimate Black Panther, and uh, we'll have some fun with him. Uh, and then we've also got a review coming your way, of course. Yesterday, Avatar The Last Airbender dropped on Netflix. We're going to be giving our review of Season 1. And in just a few minutes, we're going to be talking with the talented actor Alex Malari Jr., who is uh, one of the main stars of Code 8 Part 2, a Netflix original film that is coming to the platform next Wednesday, I believe, the 28th. Yeah, so it'll be dropping then. We'll be talking with him about it and more. It's going to be fun times, and uh, hopefully everyone will be on their best behavior. I will. Good for you. We're going to take a commercial break. When we come back, we'll be talking with Alex Malari Jr. Now people are going to think I beat you or something. <laughs> Smack. Ow. Don't hit me. I'm a third everybody jimmy the short order cook here asking you what's better than listening to geek hard answer listen to geek hard while wearing a geek hard t-shirt and there's a place you can get them at tpublic.com slash user slash geek hard we got a bunch of great shirts there we got geek hard shirts we got a mr green's tasty meat shirt hell we got a back issue bloodbath shirt for all your geek needs with your geek merch, you want to go to tpublic.com slash user slash geek card. I'm not just asking you. I'm telling you. Welcome back to Geek Card right here. On Reality Radio 101. And now, back to your geeks, Andrew Young and Mr. Green. 
Welcome back to the program, folks. Andrew Young and Mr. Green here. It's a glorious Friday night. In just a moment, we're going to be talking with actor Alex Malari Jr. But before we do that, just want to remind you folks, if you want to email in at any time with questions or maybe your thoughts on the show we're reviewing later, Avatar The Last Airbender, or just to say hey, you can do that by emailing us at geekartshow at gmail.com. We'll read your email live on the air, and uh, it'll be a fun time. So come join us. Now let's get into the show. Our first guest tonight has been in a number of great projects. You may have seen him in um, Dark Matter, Hello Again, The Atom Project, Ginny in Georgia. But he's here tonight to talk about the upcoming release of Code 8 Part 2, the sequel to Code 8, coming to Netflix next week. Welcome back to the program Alex Malari Jr. Hey y'all, how it goes? It's going all right. How's it going with you, man? Good, good. What an intro. Yeah, I do what I can. <laughs> I do what I can. I do what I can, sir. Well, to be fair though, it's it, it's not hard with you. You your 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 list of credentials, your bona fides are extensive these days from back <laughs> when we first met you on Dark Matter. Like it's you just you've been racking them up. I've been trying to. It doesn't feel like it on my end, but then I look at the, the body of work and I'm like, okay, I'm doing something right, I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, it never, when you're in it, it never feels like, you know, oh my gosh, I've done all this stuff. It's very much like, okay, when's the next project? I got to get out there. I got to do the work. Totally. Yeah, he's, he's a Pokemon collector. <laughs> got to get them sure. all. Not wrong there. Sure. Yeah. Not wrong there. <laughs> I love my Pokemon cards. <laughs> there you go, man. There you go. Now, uh, of course, Code 8 Part 2, the original Code 8 came out, I think, what, in 2018, 2019, somewhere around there. Yeah. Uh, this is the sequel to it. For people who haven't seen the first Code 8 or haven't heard about this film, what is Code 8 Part 2 all about? Code 8 Part 2 is, well, those robots, the the police that we had in the first one, population thought you know maybe these are a little too violent i don't think they're working and so this time around we bring in canines and um i get to play king who is really just trying to make the best out of uh lincoln city for himself yeah <laughs> i kind of like to think of if, if it was from king's perspective i think the movie's about a boy and his dog i do <laughs> i'll take it <laughs> That's a great way to put that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, but this, of course, you had a smaller role in the first film. Now your character, you're the lead antagonist of this film, coming back to do this with the the ML boys. Uh, what was it like getting to? You know, again, you've played villains before, but this villain has. There's just such like a, it's like a glossy sheen of just arrogance, just coming off this guy. What was it like to play him? It was icky. <laughs> <laughs> it was icky. Listen, uh, usually I, I get into a place where um, I need to try to be that character for a little bit, and I'll, I'll be at home trying things. And um, my partner was like, so, you know, what do I have to deal with? Because you told me this guy is pretty monstrous. And I was like, honestly, I could just go to work, act, and I can leave it there. 
because at the end of the day, he's just as, you know, he's a face. He puts on a face. Um, I know we all do to a certain extent, but he's, uh, yeah, he's a little more motivated. Let's say that. Yeah. It, as I was watching um, the film it, I, I in, and realizing that it's, you're the, basically the exact same character. It's just, you know, it's, he's moved up in the world. And I'm like, you took what was ostensibly like one scene, very small, like in the original film, and they've built a whole movie around your character here. Like when you did the first one, you like, I got to assume that there was no thought like, oh, I'm going to be back for a sequel. And then they're going to make me like, you know, the, you know, the, the, the big lead here. Yeah, no, you know what? That was not the plan at all. <laughs> um, casting wise, I was, um. I was offered another role, um, a much, much smaller role. And they were going a totally different direction for King. And Jeff Chan, the director, we were on a phone call. And he's like, you know what? Do you want to try for King? I know you. Like, I know it was different in the first movie, but do you want to try it? And uh, he goes, I won't be able to offer you this role. You'll have to go through the audition process. I was totally fine with that, but I you know, I had to jump at it, especially after reading the script. I had to jump at the uh, at the opportunity, so I went through the audition process, and you know, it was a it was a few few sessions, and um, yeah, Jeff gave me a call and said, "Hey, let's go make this movie," and that was that. But nice. they did not build it around that first character. It was just one of those thoughts. You know, it was an afterthought, really. Yeah, but it works out very effectively. That's the you know, oh, like it does. this. Is the, and, and, you know, and that was the thing about that. It was like, it was this extra layer. It was like, oh yeah, you're, I, I remember as I was watching it and I was thinking a lot of this early on part of the story makes a lot of sense knowing who, who he was in the, in the first film, I could totally get why somebody might be a little bit more open to different avenues of income, yeah. right? And, 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 right. And, and, and a viewpoint against the uh the the powered individuals in this universe and then of course the story unfolds and we get something totally different and as i, I was watching it, it it's it's great to watch because of that but also i was thinking about the those dogs the the canine units right and i'm just curious like obviously there's there's special effects and you know and whatnot but like how much of the dogs is special effects yeah, and what's there, practical I, yeah yeah like were there any practical dogs on set yeah, yeah. I think we had one or two. Um, whenever it's still and not doing anything, uh, there was a practical dog there, and they built a, a, just this beautiful, beautiful thing. Um, but apart from that, when it's moving, it was actually a guy in a suit doing the rollovers <laughs> okay. and whatnot. And so here I am trying to be king, and, and here's this guy in a suit pretending to be a dog. And, <laughs> you know, give me more credit for that. Now that you know that, you know, yeah, I deserve yeah. a little more credit. <laughs> well, you take the cameras away and it's just a weird kinky thing. It is. It is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so happy I didn't have a leash now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. If there's anybody in the production that has stills of Alex with the quote unquote dog, we'd love for you to put them up online. That would be hilarious. Oh, man. oh we got an email in. We got an email in from Kelly T who says, Hey geeks, big fan of Alex. Uh, then goes on Thank to you. give a little bit of the review for the show we're going to be reviewing. So I'll save that for them. But then ends off by saying, Hey, happy new year, even though late. 
What was Lunar New Year? Was that two weeks ago, Lunar New Year? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank oh, you. I still have oranges, so. There you go. Don't there you go. Ago. Well, <laughs> I still I still hope you get rich. There we go. Yeah. So. <laughs> no. Me too. Yeah, yeah. So in we the, all do. I, yeah. I keep playing. I keep playing those lotto tickets, and they yeah, never win. You. And I'm, I'm just like, damn it. <laughs> oh man. So in this, probably you know, aside from the, the, of course, all the great actors and the dogs, another character in this is Monument Hill Towers. Such a interesting location, and for me, it was fun to watch it because I'm like. Every time I get off the go train and get onto the subway at Main Street Station, there it is. That's because uh, it's Main Square for this. Yeah. Um, you got a couple. I know you got a couple of scenes down, a couple of big scenes down there. What was it like shooting on location? I heard that there was a lot of um, given. I heard that the crew was giving out uh, free gift cards to Tim Hortons for like residents because you guys were taking up the space and everything. You know what? I did hear that lingering around set. But I wasn't sure that it actually had happened. So that's that's nice to hear that that really did go down. We took up all of Maine and Danforth. Um, our base camp was around, um, if you're familiar with that area, there's a Canadian tire. So our base camp was the parking lot there. Um, but filming there, residents were great. They were welcoming um, for the most part. And um, the only thing, it was windy. It was insanely windy it's a wind tunnel in there and there were some really cool shots that we got there was one where the bird like was panning up i think to me and my crew and then just these birds came in and it was just perfect i was like good toronto birds you know what you're doing here <laughs> you know how to be toronto you've done this before seagulls. always good to work with those toronto birds you know sometimes <laughs> the vancouver birds you don't know what you're gonna get but toronto birds they know how to work definitely yeah yeah, they know how to get it done there. Hopefully, you know, we get some raccoons next time. <laughs> who doesn't like a good Toronto raccoon as part of your set? You know, like who wouldn't want that? That's it. That's it. You know, I, uh, yeah, it, it, like it must have been, you know, uh, cool to be able to at least, you know, be kind of local, you know, like uh, doing a movie here, you know, versus like, say, traveling across the country or heading south or whatever, you know, being able to just, you know, essentially roll out of bed and just go to set. Pretty much, yeah, yeah. I'm one of those guys that have uh, the one wheel uh, oh, board. Nice. <laughs> so I would just take my one wheel, go to set, and then go right home. So yeah, it was nice that it was that convenient. Uh, it must be good. Like, uh, like when you get into a character, though, are you like somebody that's like in it, or is it nice to just go home and see the family every night? It's always nice when every time. It's rap. I'm the first one out of there. I I love being home. I love spending time with my family. Um, hopefully that got me some brownie points. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm genuine about that. Um, we'll clip this and send it to you to send. The thank yeah. you, thank you. <laughs> um, so I I need the space. So the first thing I did was ask the art department if I can get a lot of the um, LCPD, Lincoln City Police Department paraphernalia, just so I could just put it around my trailer um, to make it feel like it was my office. And um, one of the things I wanted with King was that classic police mustache that everyone just recognizes. And I would play um, the intro to Jay-Z's American Gangster album every morning because I approached King more like a gangster than I did a police officer. 
it was just right to do it that way. I felt anyways. Mm. Yeah. yeah but, no. but I do like parting ways. It, I, I like going home and just leaving work at where it is. So, yeah. So that, so that as an actor that you, that you try to do that with every role or was it just something about this one that you wanted to do that more with? I, it depends. It depends. And it, I'm also very um, impulsive. So I could just be walking down the street or working out and then I'll just go through my lines and I kind of just tell people I'm lip syncing whatever I'm listening to or listening to an audio book or something, but it it's not a pretty sight half the time. But so, yeah, so I'm very impulsive. Sometimes I'll just get into it. Sometimes I leave it. Just, I just see how I feel. I'm not very adult in that manner, am I? I should probably get a schedule going. Uh, it's okay. You know, the schedules, they're overrated. They're overrated. <laughs> it's working for you, man. Like, like I said, <laughs> you, you, like looking at your credit list, I was just like, oh, wow, you have done so much. Like some things I didn't even know about. And I was just like, wow, this is, you know, like going back to all the way to Dark Matter when we first met you, you know, way yeah. back then. And it was like, oh, this is, you know, really cool dude. And, you know, hope for the best and all this. And I'm like looking and I'm like, bro, you just... Like, I know we joked it at the top, but you just, you're like, you're working like every day. Like, seems is... that way, right? Great. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's no, it has been a, a blessing of a journey. I've just been sneaking into a variety of rooms and hoping they see me. And, and they have. So I'm yeah. thankful. And it's a variety of parts, too. Like, yeah. a lot of these projects are all very different. And yep. uh, one project, uh, of course, that uh, got a lot of attention at the beginning of 2023 would have to be the series Ginny and Georgia. It's season mm -hmm. two, I think, was the record holder for most watch in 2023 on Netflix. And uh, in it, of course, you play uh, private investigator Gabriel Cordova. Yeah. Very interesting character. I got to ask, what was the decision to do the Texan accent? It felt like it. Just felt like it. Just You're like, hey, like I can it. do this Texan accent. I'm gonna throw it in. I didn't know if I could. I was like, listen, I just think I watch enough Doctor Phil to get just that southwestern area, general area. Uh, no, but then uh, I tried it during one of our first cast read-throughs, and I asked the dialect coach in the first season what he thought about it, and he said it sounds great. And Netflix ended up approving it, and uh, so there it was. Because why not? <laughs> yeah. Uh, is it, well, it was an interesting affectation, you know, like, uh, I guess there's a lot of accents in that, surprisingly enough. A lot of different American dialects are worked into that show. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. It, it's, uh, I, like, I can't, oh man, I just, just thinking about the fact that you kind of based it on Dr. Phil. I didn't base it on, <laughs> no, no, he, didn't, he didn't base the character on Dr. No, Phil. No, 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 no. Like, he shows up and is like, now, Georgia, what <laughs> problems are you trying? What are the blocks in your life that you need to get out of the way? He doesn't do that in the show. No, I'm going to send you to a ranch. <laughs> yeah. He always he has a ranch for everyone, I feel yeah, like. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, uh, of all inspirations in the world, Dr. Phil, I think, would be very low on my bingo card for uh, possible inspirations to a, any kind of. <laughs> affectation or characterization that's what i'm getting at it tells you what i watch yeah. <laughs> more along that kind of stuff so we know what about alex right now is he collects pokemon cards he likes dr phil he's impulsive he's got a he's got a one wheel 
You know, yeah. like it's uh, we're we're building a, a very eclectic picture here of you. We've bud. learned a lot about you. Thank now, you. Um, is there any past traumas that you'd like to work through in this session? Right. Oh man, look, this is cheaper than therapy, so I'll take it. Don't joke around here. Let's... <laughs> 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 yeah, I got a bad grading on my uh, on one of my Charizards. We'll start there. Oh geez, that's rough, uh, man. That uh, is rough. <laughs> I'm like living off of the fact that it's a shadowless and yeah. <laughs> I like, see, you are a good actor. You really got, but actually, no, that was, you were tapping into real emotion there. That, that felt heartfelt. That day. Thank you. My, my inner child. That's what they go with. I was trying to figure that out for the last five minutes. Yeah, no. Right, hey, right. why not? Right. Like, yeah. Use what you got. That's, that's the thing, right? Like, this is what it's all about. And it's, you know, it's not like you're king. You know, you're not a you're not a, you're not an asshole that's trying to ruin people's lives. You know, like you're you're a nice guy, right? Like this is you like I'm to have so fun. happy you think so. Oh, it's like <laughs> live radio validation, right? That's, yeah. There you go. That's I'm what a it good is. guy. Right yeah, there. well, you're the best guy. You're such a good boy. Uh, keep it going. Keep it going. <laughs> <laughs> now, let me ask. Yeah, he just said you're such a good boy. Is that what you said to the actor playing the dog? <laughs> you know what? I should. I should reward. Sit. Good. good. You're a good boy. Yeah. Yeah. No, I. I should have. But I. I don't know. I feel like human resources would get called if I were to do that. <laughs> so. I'm just picturing you coming to set every once in a while with some like some biscuits, not like dog cookies, but like actual like and just go here, boy. Here, boy. here have, a, have a digestive. There you go. <laughs> I know you're supposed to be a robot, but just just have it. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if we're allowed to validate people to, to that extent. Uh, you know, we'll, I'll try it on the next. Time. There you go. There you go. Wow. Yeah, oh, you, you never know what kind of movie you're going to get into where you're going to have a per person pretending to be a dog in it. So, like, yeah, why not? Yeah. It's true. Again, it's you've true. had a wide variety of roles, so they could go down, you know, a particular route. Who knows? Who knows? Oh, he's trying to say that I'm going to be the dog. Like, I'm going <laughs> to, that's what I'm going to get down there. Oh. <laughs> as long as there's not a leash. That one I'd go method for. There you go. Yeah, that's a good one to be method for. Have your wife to lock you in like a kennel each night. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. No, see, I think that's the, that's the only time she would wouldn't lock me up if I was actually a dog. And, <laughs> if you yeah. were asking for it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I can just see your kid is like, "What's wrong with dad? I don't know." <laughs> keeps barking at me. I was just, he's whimpering now. Oh, well, man. I think Alex, they hit I think... me with a Caesar every five minutes. <laughs> I think I think we made some good progress here today, Alex. Um, Thank you. Yeah, I think yeah. we're going to have to schedule another session sometime down the road. Maybe your next project. We'll have you on. Yeah. We'll work out some demons. It'll be good. Good times. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll find Thank out you. if you've learned fetch at that point, and yeah. uh, you know if you you learned to play dead. There you go. There you go. Oh, anything but adulting, please. <laughs> bro i just had that conversation earlier today where i was just like it's the days where i sit there and i go oh man i don't know how good i had i didn't realize how good i had it at like 13 or 14 you yeah. know just sitting in the basement playing some video games eating a bag of chips just chilling although i kind of yeah. do that now so really <laughs> yeah, i was about much... to say you just described your life <laughs> it's true it's true <laughs> 
Oh, I guess you man. didn't have Uber Eats back then or something like that. So. No, no, yeah. No, right? Was, You'd actually yeah, have to I was out. the Uber Eats, yeah. There you, you go. To, you have to, you know, take the Toheel Express up to the KFC and get yourself some fries or whatever. And, you know, yeah, that would be an hour way, later. You, you were adulting more back then, then, you know, you were at least yeah. fetching your own food. Jeez, oh, man. Don't ruin my my nostalgia trip, Alex. Come I had, on. I had no idea that we were going to end up having a session with Mr. Green as well. That's uh, we've had a lot of breakthroughs here tonight. <laughs> I, for one, think we we had a breakthrough or two tonight. I do. <laughs> Alex, I want to thank you for coming on the program. Yes. Uh, of course, people, you can check out Code Eight Part Two. It's dropping next week on Netflix. Definitely check it out. Alex, thanks so much for coming on the program. And, Thank you. Uh, we look forward to finding out more adventures in your life in the future that may involve or may not involve dogs or Texan accents. Or both. <laughs> Thank you. Or Thank both. You a dog with a Texan both. accent. There you go. Yeah. If there's anybody making an animated film about a dog with a Texan accent, Alex is your guy. There we go. I've been practicing. <laughs> I, mean, just, right, oh, I just got a text from my wife saying, oh, she just ordered the kennel. There Perfect. You go. Wow. There we go. Great. It's all worked out. Yeah. Great. See? All right. Well, thank you. Alex, <laughs> I want to thank you again for coming on the show and look forward to everything you got coming down the pike. Thank you all for having me. Take care. Take awesome. Care, Thanks, man. Alex. Have a good one. So that was Alex Malari Jr., uh, you can see Code 8 next week. I believe it's February 28th. It is dropping on Netflix, so check it out there. Uh, Code 8 Part 2, sorry. Code 8 is available right now. If you if you want to catch yes. up, if you want to watch Code 8 before Code 8 Part 2, it's already available on Netflix. So check it out. We're yeah, take- and, and on that on that note, I would just quickly say that it's if you have seen it, that's great. Like Part 2 picks up from there. But if you're coming in fresh. Oh, you can watch it without seeing yeah. the first one, totally. Yeah, yeah, no, I think there's enough uh, story bits at the beginning to help fill in some of the voids and then the rest of the way. Yeah, really, the, the pertinent information is just kind of pieced out pretty quickly in the first five minutes. Yeah. And you know what's going on. Totally. Yeah. But if you want to watch the whole thing, then that that's totally an option for you, which is, you know, what I did. I watched all of it this week. There you go. There you go. You can make it you can make it a big movie night. Watch both films back to back. There we go. Yeah, there you go. We're going to take a commercial break. When we come back, we're going to be talking about Avatar The Last Airbender Season 1, and we'll be reading your emails. Stay tuned. It's Geek Yard on Reality Radio 101. It's three in the afternoon. My kitchen's an old saloon. We're sipping on whiskey to survive. Remember when you used to go to the comic shop and Browse through the stacks, picking up comic after comic, talking to your fellow customers and the store owner about what books you should buy. What kind of outside people daywalker nonsense are you talking about? I don't go outside. Well, thank goodness for Back Issue Bloodbath with Andrew Young and Petula Neal. When we talk about comics old and new. Mostly old. But sometimes new. Every Wednesday, new episodes drop at geekartshow.com or wherever you catch your pots. Check it out and have yourself a good. Mm-hmm. 
welcome back to Geek Card right here on Reality Radio 101. And now back to your geeks, Andrew Young and Mr. Green. Welcome back to Geek Card, folks. Andrew Young and Mr. Green here. Uh, just a moment, we're going to be giving our review of Season 1 of Avatar The Last Airbender, which is available on Netflix right now. But first, let's read some of your emails. Of course, Kelly T. wrote in earlier, and in their email, they also said they liked Avatar. I would rate it a 7+. plus. So there we go. Thank you, Kelly, for the email. William S. wrote in, writing in again, not a fan of Avatar. So there we go. We got one plus, one minus here. Steve E. writes in, hey, Geek Hard Show, Avatar was very good. Any production with James Hong in it is always good. Thanks. There we go. So now let us get into the review of Avatar The Last Airbender, created by Albert Kim, based on the animated series created by Michael Dante Diamartino and Brian Konitsuko. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's how you say it. Yeah, let's go with that. Produced by Avatar Studios, Nickelodeon Productions, and Rideback, and distributed by Netflix here to read the synopsis of avatar the last airbender it's our good friend the old man hey how's you going good about you i'm good i'm good you know uh the air air is nice you ever have the air bended just right on you so it's hitting your face and you're just like oh that's that oh i feel so fresh and refreshed yeah i've got a fan blowing on me right now there you go. Yeah, see, I, I know a couple of airbenders, so they do it for me. It's you, You've never had air thrown in your face until it's been done by an airbender, I'll tell you that. Yeah, no, my my airbender is a comfort zone uh, clip-on fan over there in the corner. Uh, no, it's all about the Dyson, son. It's all about the Dyson. Overrated. Over, no, I met Dyson. Rated just fine. Rated E for everyone. There you go. Okay. There you go. Oh, oh, you got another email there. Yeah, we do. Thanks for that. Uh, Stevie writes in a five rating for The Last Airbender. Like, oh, like Brian Hill. Hey to Mr. Green. Hey to the old man. That's why I wanted you to read the email. I saw that you had, it was a hey to the old man. Hey to you there, Steve. That's right. To draw. Everybody's saying hey to the draw once again. Yeah, okay. Why don't you go off to your corner? We're going to do our, our review now. All right, dude. And there he goes. So, Mr. Green, of course, you were a fan of Avatar The Last Bander, the animated series. Mm-hmm. Um, I, myself, had never watched the animated series. Mm-hmm. So we're both coming in from the two types of audience that there is, you know, people who know and people who don't know. So, Mr. Green, what was the experience like for you? Um, well, as I have said on many other projects where they're reinterpreting an IP that I am a fan of, I went in with a little bit of trepidation, um, mostly because of two factors. And most people will totally understand this one, anybody who has seen the 2010 film, 
which we reviewed on the show yeah, way back in the day. Yeah, we reviewed it on the show. Yeah. Oh, mm. And that then was, that was, I was, again, I had never seen the animated series, and I was just as offended as those who had seen the animated series. Well, and that was fair because, let's just face facts, it was, and in fairness to everybody who participated in that film, because, you know, let's face facts, nobody tries to act bad in a in a movie like nobody oh, yeah, there was a, there was a lot of good talent in that film yeah and there's not, a, there's some performances and interesting things going on all that sometimes stuff sometimes the just, film just doesn't come together right yeah and and that was and even for you as somebody who had not seen the original source material that was a that was a factor for me i was just like mm. Mm. so there's that but then of course obviously um let's just face facts much like video games live action um animated uh presentations you know yeah the adaptation from is, animated to live action yeah it's not always good right mm -hmm. let's just you know that's just the way it works you know it hasn't always been really good um i thought this year or last year sorry uh netflix did pretty good job with one piece i am not a fan of the one piece anime whereas this i was i and i i came at it backwards so i cora which was a sequel series to the last airbender right yeah was how I got into the into this world in the first place. Watched that. I heard a lot of great things. Really enjoyed that show. And then went back and watched Avatar, which does suffer uh, what I think is a lot of, and it, this is coming into this review as well, is a lot of uh, shows aimed at a younger audience, you know, like that kind of like uh, 8 to 14-year-old range, which is what this show is aimed at. Technically, that's the core audience. Um. It has a tendency to kind of feel flippant and childish at times, right? Mm. The thing is, though, as the animated series went on, much like what I talk about with Dave Filoni when he does his Star Wars stuff, is you see these characters. Yes, it's a, a kid's show, but it it gets adultified along the way, right? There's a lot of more mature themes. And in the eight episodes we get here, that's what goes on. Early on, you know, Gordon Cormier as Aang has to be a kid. Oh, yeah. Right. He has to be right. Ang is 12 years old. Right. Like he is a young person and he is supposed to be a young person. And that's actually one of the cool things about this character in this universe is here he is. He is the like the fucking Luke Skywalker of this universe. And he he just he shirks that responsibility in this adaptation. It's a little different in the original one. It's basically the same, but he does shirk it and he pays a price as the whole world does and but even when he's woken up to the realities of what his you know his screwing off has done it he still is a 12 year old he's still gonna play he still wants to do those things he still has an immature look at the way the world should be at times mm -hmm. and that's part of the beauty of the the character of ang is that he has to eventually make life and death decisions but he's doing it from that childlike sensibility of like why can't we all get along and why why do people have to die why do we have to fight like can't we just talk and you know as as i get older and i get more jaded about the world i i really see a see and appreciate ang's mentality about it like sometimes i really wish we could just talk yeah no well the character it's got the weight the weight of the world on his shoulders but has the naivete to enjoy life's uh, the amazing things about life, the things we take for granted, totally. Yeah, and it, which is diametrically opposed to the 
other like because there's four main characters, but the the antithesis to Ang is of course Prince Zuko, played by Dallas Liu. That character is meant to be the exact polar opposite because here's a here's a character who's never had a childhood and who has always been building towards a, being a warrior and to be a ruler and be ruthless and all the things that Aang is not. Yeah. Right. No, totally. You know, and I love that dichotomy that goes on uh, throughout this. And I think Dallas Lou does a great job as Prince Zuko, you know, uh, as I think do the performances across the board are yes. very strong. All four like, of the leads. Yeah. All four of the great. kids are great. Yeah. They're all great. Of course, uh, former Geek Hard Guest of the Year, Paul Sun Young Lee, does a great job as Uncle oh. Iroh in this. Bro, um, Uncle Iroh is what this is all about. When I heard that Paul Sun Young Lee was going to be playing Uncle Iroh is when I first got excited about this show. Because Uncle Iroh is such an amazing character in the animated series. He's played, and he is, uh, he's played differently here. If you watch Uncle Iroh in the animated series, I've been rewatching some of the episodes. He has played more of kind of like a doofus in the beginning mm. before we start to kind of see who he is. Here, they're kind of really developing the paternal aspect of him to right. Prince Zuko way much, like way st- more strongly earlier on. Mm. But I get it when you're doing eight episodes versus, you know, 20 animated episodes in the first season. You got to kind of move some stuff along oh, of here. Of course, totally. Of course. And Elizabeth Yu does a great job in it. Freaking Daniel Day Kim is just Daniel Day Kim in it up in us. Oh, he's uh, a great Ozai. Like he's doing a pretty good job as Ozai here. And then Amber Mid Thunder shows up near the uh, the end of the season. And, yes, uh, really. Again, such a talented actor. the The cast in this is fantastic. Really is. And for someone who had no invested interest coming into this, had no dog in the fight, the story is extremely compelling. It is put together. The story is crafted very well. The experiences uh, are felt. The pathos is felt. The just the drama. Like again, they approach this very much with the idea of like, well, this is we're going to be more adult with this series, and with that, we you have like again, you know, for me, fantasy is not my bag. And right. So, no, fair point. Yeah. So it has to have like a strong emotional tie to it for me to care mm-hmm. and they did a great job I, all of these characters have like something they're fighting for and it shows and the way they affect each other it's it is a beautiful show well one of the things that i thought that they did a really great job at is taking that essentially first 20 episodes which is book one uh of of the show and condensing that down into eight episodes, yet at the same time, pulling from season two and, and a little bit further on of the animated stuff to bring that into season one where it, it fit. And then so I think what they've done here is what is really like hats off to them is they've done a really great job, in my opinion, to uh, provide a more tighter, condensed, better told overall story with less filler. Right. Well, I guess also they, they was very, uh, the animated series was very episodic. This is more serialized, so much more focused storytelling. Yeah. So like the original series, uh, the animated series, it, it is telling this three-part story over the 61 episodes of, of where they get to um, and Aang becoming eventually fully the Avatar. But 
throughout that there are some filler episodes in there but there yeah. is still like those as you know anytime there's always going to be one or two like key episodes a couple one or two yeah. fillers you know that kind of move the, you might get one scene that moves the story along but the, the rest of it you're kind of like mm, this is fun exactly exactly for the you most know? part episodic yeah so this yeah. this one is a much more focused story what are you saying you're saying people should check it out uh on the uh on the netflix or should just skip it all together no, absolutely go and watch this. This is already number one on Netflix. I have a feeling it's going to be number one on Netflix for many weeks to come. This is a great show. And I fully agree. Definitely check it out. It's a very fun show to watch with a lot of great emotional moments. So definitely check it out. We're going to take a commercial break. When we come back, we'll be talking to Brian Edward Hill about Blade, Ultimate Black Panther, and more right here. Geek Card, Reality Radio 101. Want to advertise on Geekard and be heard by thousands of listeners? It's easy. It's simple. It's fun. Email us at geekardshow at gmail.com for information on our advertising packages today. Do you have the one where Word Burglar raps about comic books? No, I, I, know, I know that happens on a lot of them. But no, but the one where it's just the... Oh, no. Okay. All right. Maybe it's not out yet. Just get me Lady Depp. Welcome back to Geek Card right here on Reality Radio 101. Now back to your geeks, Andrew Young and Mr. Green. Welcome back to Geek Card. Andrew Young and Mr. Green here. And we're going to get on with our last guest of the evening he is a filmmaker he's a screenwriter he's a producer but he also writes comic books when he can from time to time and when he does it is a good time especially currently right now with the blade series welcome to the program brian edward hill oh, happy to be here how's everybody pretty good how you doing i'm good i'm good that's good. Good stuff. So, you know, you're a busy guy. You're you're busy putting together uh, scripts and stories and you work in television and you're a filmmaker and you're trying to get projects off the ground. So you're very selective with the comic work you take. So what was it about Blade that made you go when you were offered to offered it by uh, mm. was it was it Will? That offered it to you? Yeah, it was Will Moss. I mean, he's a good friend of mine. So, um, well, I'll tell you, you know, like, horror is my favorite genre. And people don't really know that about me, right? So I was in the mood to do something horror, horrifying. Like, I like, you know, things that are kind of thrilling. I like suspense. You know, I like dealing with the, the ooga boogas and all of that stuff. So that was really the thing that drew me to Blade was, you know, the, my... My the, the part of the Marvel universe that interests me the most is the spookier side of the Marvel universe. Uh, so that was really the entry point there, and you know the fact that it was number one, and I could kind of do what I wanted, um, and it didn't have to, you know, follow on the heels of 
another arc and just kind of carried that stuff through, you know, all of that was was really interesting. Yeah, I, you know, as I was uh, uh, reading it, it was, uh, you know, because I, I I haven't read a lot of Blade comics in my day, and but I do mm-hmm. like the character. There's something about, you know, ever since, obviously, you know, for like a lot of people, like seeing the movie back in the day and, you know, and that was, that really was my first real introduction to the character other than just knowing he existed. But seeing, you know, getting to read him, you know, in comics since then, you know, realize that the movie is not what the character is like in the comics happen, you know, for the most part. Sure. Uh, but seeing your version, like he's, um, he's not Wesley Snipes. He's, you know, like he's the comic version of, of blade and, you know, he's thin and I loved his outfit in this. Like, I love the, you know, this kind of like suit thing that he's wearing. And then the, the, the double, the double swords, but coming out from the two different directions. And mm-hmm. he's got this just like intense, nobility about him that i think is i think is key to the character you know what you know where where's your entry point when you're writing him like as to who you think blade is well look sometimes you you come in and you work on a comic book character and you know you're sort of encumbered by detail and detail and detail of comic book history and you just have to kind of work with that with Blade, you know, he's been around for a long time. There's been, you know, seminal work uh, for the character that's been done. But at the same time, there's a bit more of a canvas you can paint on, you know. And my goal as a writer is always to make sure that if someone is interested in a character, and even if they only ambiently understand that character, that when they pick up a book of mine, they don't feel lost. Right? They don't feel like, I have no idea what's going on. You know, I, I just saw a Batman movie. I want to go buy a Batman comic book and Bruce Wayne's not even Batman. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I feel like that kind of thing contracts the actual readership of comics. Right. So you have to balance the whole thing. You know, you you want to engage what's been done before, but you also want people who just think Blade is cool. You know, maybe they played him in Midnight Suns or something, or maybe they rediscovered the films or whatever, you know, Um uh, and maybe they're just excited about a new movie coming out. Oh, I want to pick this up. You don't want them to be like so lost. See, you know, I, I, I didn't so much want to redesign the character as I, as much as I wanted to come in with a high concept that allowed me to push forward without like abandoning what happened before. But I didn't have to carry it through the story. If that makes sense, you know, totally makes sense. it's almost like treating Blade a bit like James Bond, right? Like, yeah. you know, I'm not gonna. You know, we know that Bond was married to Tracy and then Blofeld killed her and and cool. But you don't have to deal with that every film, right? You can still do like a kind of a Bond narrative where if you don't know all the Fleming, if you haven't watched all the movies, you can come in and understand what's going on for the most part. So that was really more of the goal and the strategy when I was coming in, at least for me. That's making me think. I wonder what the the uh, George Lazenby version of Blade is in the comics. Uh, <laughs> we, I'll tell you what, I think Lazenby gets a bum rap. You know, no, I, I think, do too. I actually do I, as well. I think, I mean, that film, it's a weird movie, right? Like, Honor Majesty's Secret Service is a very weird film, yeah. and it's incredibly contained, and they dub Lazenby the entire time, which is really strange. Mm. But it has some of the most beautiful filmmaking that that franchise had ever seen. Um, and if you watch it now... A lot of it is incredibly contemporary with its editing rhythms, 
you know, how it treats yeah. certain things. It just has a as a strange veneer of camp on top of it. You know, I, I almost feel like the Austin Powers stuff is really more like influenced by on Her Majesty's Secret Service than like anything Connery did, right? Yeah, like, yeah. you know, the kind of like you know, Randy guy, and I got the kilt, and oh my, you know, like and all that. Like that's more of like a Lazenby movie thing, right? Than yeah. like from Russia with Love, you know what right, I mean? Totally. Um, totally. But yeah, like I mean, you know, I mean, but I'm I'm the weird Bond guy, like you know, I'm hey. I'm a Dalton guy, so. You know, there oh, we go. Well, there you go. There you go. Huh? But I will say, also gets a bum rap. Honester Majesty's yeah. Secret Service does have beautiful filmmaking, but it also has beautiful Diana Riggs. So that's what wins for me. Well, I mean, and, and, it, and it has like the first time you really got like a a female lead in the Bond film that had like a real arc. Yeah, you know, it had something to say in it. Like yeah. Tracy was built interestingly. You know, like she wasn't immediately like someone that Bond liked and or liked Bond and all this other stuff. I don't know. I just thought it was a lot of times things were before their time. Like I think Living yeah. Daylights and and um, License to Kill were before their time. You know, sure. and I think sometimes it takes culture a bit to catch up to where the creators want to be. Not to turn no, this into the James Bond. You know, yeah, yeah. No, but, but. yeah, but just to kind of end that off, I totally agree with you because I saw I grew up hearing Bond fans talk about Lazenby negatively. And then when I got to a point where I finally had the nerve to go and watch it on my own, I watched it. I was like, this is actually a pretty solid film. It's just but I get to your point. You know, it, it, I think it happens in comics, too, a lot is when especially when teams are switching and stuff like that. People like to, they have a lot of reverence for the last team and then they kind of don't always give a new team that kind of that room to do their thing. Whereas like oh, what you're saying about getting to do Blade, like starting issue one, like you've it's a it's a clean break. It's not like you're coming in at issue 27 or something like that. You're you've you're you're doing your your version of this character. Yeah, well, sure. I mean, it's not just my version. I mean, I am okay. like, yeah, yeah. you know, building along the things that uh, have been done before. But yeah, I mean, I just wanted to come in and do a big, broad kind of horror action adventure story. And what I thought was really interesting is, you know, when you have a character that's been around for such a long time and they've done so many things, they're going to have characters in their lives that you've like never heard of, right? Mm -hmm. And it makes sense. You know, like, again, using the Bond analogy, if Bond goes to like Istanbul, and meets with someone who knows him, you don't really question it because, of course, he knows someone in Istanbul. He's James Bond, right? Yeah. And then that character can open up into a whole different thing. And then I was able to bring in other characters that, you know, are interesting to me that are sort of the fringes of the Marvel Universe uh, when it comes to the supernatural stuff. But you can deal with them in a robust way. To be completely honest, that is way more interesting to me than, like, doing a run of, like, Captain America. Yeah. Than, like, doing a run of Iron Man where things are so locked in that there's really not too much you can do. You know, I'm, I'm always more interested in, Ooh, this is an interesting character that has, that doesn't have a dark Knight returns. Yeah. That doesn't have a man of steel. Right. So you're not always under the shadow of a thing, you know, um, which can be a little frustrating as a writer, not, not like in a, in a negative way, but just, you're just always knowing that whatever Batman story you're writing you're trying to crawl out from underneath 10 other Batman stories yeah, that have been the most like seminal things in the time they were released. Um, but with Blade, you've got consistently like interesting stuff that's come out, but there's not that one omnibus tome that you have to deal in, you know, the entire time. And so that felt cool uh, and, yeah, and totally. felt like I could play around a little bit. Yeah, definitely. And <clears throat> you play around with this a lot. You have, it is such a, 
engaging story because it's like it's a roving action tale of course you know as you mentioned the bringing in for new readers that think blade is cool you give that moment in the first issue that's kind of like a tribute to the first movie but also has like an 80s horror feel to it and then you move on to like this really interesting action uh road story and you know you have tulip there you know the the ex-girlfriend type character and you got ratha who uh, you know has basically been raised to kill a certain demon that's now out there because uh, Blade unfortunately unlocked the paths for this demon to come and it's going to bring about the end of all things. I find with this that I realize I like reading Blade when he's in this sort of situation where he's yeah. up against the wall, who he, where he's basically having to okay crap I'm playing overtime here trying to catch up to what's happening here. And everybody is just dogging on him, saying, well, it's your fucking fault. Fix it. I just, this has been the most compelling Blade to me because he's, you know, he's trying to make up for a mistake that he didn't see coming. And nobody is really giving, letting up on him. Everybody is giving him grief for this. Yeah, it's, well, you know, Blade is a hero kind of by default, you know, you know, by the, by the virtue of the actions he takes, but he's not like, you know, a guy that is always noble and he can make mistakes and he can't be rash, you know, and all those things. And so uh, putting him in a situation where he made a mistake and then has to fix it, but fix it in a way that he usually solves problems, which is by being more extreme than the things he's trying to fight. Right. That's all fun. You know, Um, and then dragging some uh, compatriots into that, that felt interesting. Exploring him a little bit more as like a guy, you know, um, just kind of what makes him tick and who he hangs out with and why does he hang out with him and that kind of deal. You know, I've always felt like him and Ghost Rider and like characters like this, you know, they're in the shadow uh, of the Marvel Universe, right? Like they're, you know, they're dealing with things. But then with this enemy, this enemy has something of like a global effect, Um uh, and so that changes, I think, the stakes of what's going on. And and that felt fun to explore, you know, um, issue by issue. And I felt like it would be fun for readers to explore, too. Well, you know, it, it's it's the more we talk about this and the more I think about it, when we got talking about Bond earlier, it makes perfect sense for the story you're telling here. It's global. You know, he's a man on a mission. He's got compatriots that are helping him along the way and he's doing his thing. And sometimes he's up against the wall, like in a hard way. And I kind of feel like this is like a bond esque story. And it, it really works. I I'm, I'm having a ball reading this story, you know, and I, like I said, I'm not like the biggest blade fan, but I was just like, shocked at how much i loved this and i was like if this is how blade was written all the time i would read him every week well yeah you know like i'm a you know i am a huge ian fleming fan i I like those story forms and and you saying that thank you that was really my intention you know i'll be honest like a lot of times i walk into a comic book store and i pick up things because i like the covers and then i read them and i'm just not drawn in because the stories sometimes just aren't conceptual. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's like a visitation with characters you like and, and, mm-hmm. and that's all. And I'm not naming any names because people are doing like, they're working really hard, but I kind of come from that high concept thinking, mm-hmm. right? Like that's how I, how my brain works. 
So, you know, I need to be invigorated by a concept that makes a reader say, ooh, I kind of want to see how this is going to work out. You know, ooh, I want to pay this off. And in a lot of ways, I'm kind of like a, I'm a little retro in how I build a book, right? Like there's there's aspects of my storytelling that's still very 90s in terms of I want to end the issue with a banger. You know, I want to push the reader through the through the series, right? I want to splash page on the dope thing. You know, I in an era where I think deconstruction has been uh, a big trend, not just in comics, but I think in popular culture, I'm kind of a dogmatic constructionist in a way. Now, I like to do things in a layered way and in an informed way, but ultimately, you know, I'm a constructionist storyteller, right? So, like, if you're going to hire Brian Hill to write a Superman story, it's going to be a Superman story. It's not going to be a story about him not wanting to be Superman. It's not going to be a story about the world not wanting Superman. It's not going to be a story about questioning the nature of Superman and should he be a Superman at all. It's going to be a story about there's a bad thing and Superman has to stop it. And there's some dilemma about can he or, you know what I mean? Like I do a Superman story, right? If I do a Batman thing, it's going to be a Batman story. You know, it's not going to be a story that's going to examine whether or not Batman is a cruel billionaire and should we judge him for it? No, no. Someone will do something terrible and Batman will have to try to stop it. Right. I don't don't understand why more people don't want to do that these days. I'm like, you know, I get I get people got kind of tired of that, but or whatever, you know, and they like their deconstruction. And I enjoy deconstruction sometimes, but like not every book needs to do that. Not every character needs to be deconstructed. Right. Well, and deconstruction is interesting. in I think contrast, right? Like, you know, you 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 kind of enjoy deconstruction more when there's a lot of construction of stuff out there and then you kind of want to see the different exploration. When everything is deconstruction, then construction of storytelling is punk rock. Yeah. <laughs> right? And and culture goes through its shifts, you know? Yeah. So so, you know, and look, everyone's working hard on their stuff all the time. I'm not um lambasting or criticizing any any creators, because I know how hard it is to create, I do it all the time. But like, listen, if you know, if I watch a Star Wars movie, I want to see like Jedi doing Jedi things. Yeah. You know, um, and because that's what I love about the franchise. So that's what I, I go to it for. Right. And and so, you know, I, I look at these things like I just think about the end user, honestly. You know, books aren't cheap. And I never expect a consumer to pay five bucks to read me talking about my problems. Right. Like my job is to entertain the reader and hopefully do that in an informed way. You know, I have a journal to talk about my problems, but I don't charge people for it. And I and I keep it to myself. So I don't know I'm, if you got a good artist involved. Maybe you could make the Brian, <laughs> Brian well, Hill telling, journal as a well, When I'm telling the story, story is king. Right. Narrative yeah, yeah. is king. The narrative experience is king. Um, and so that's what really, you know, that I try to do. I just, I mean, I honestly ask myself, like, is this book worth a sandwich? Because a, a book costs a sandwich, right? Like, and I, and I do think that sometimes creators don't just stop to think for a second. People work hard for their money. And these days, a lot of people don't have a lot of it. And they don't have a lot of time. You know, I remember you go, you used to go to a comic book store and, you know, if you had like 20 bucks, you'd walk out with a whole stack of books. Oh, man, Might not be able to glorious. get through them in a one day, right? You know, nowadays you walk into a comic book store with 20 bucks, you might get like three. 
right? You might get two sometimes. Might get two. And then just being pragmatic and realistic, comic book, you know, fan goes into a comic book store. Um, and let's say they have 50 bucks to spend, which is not a small amount of money, but let's say they're willing to spend 50 bucks. 30 bucks of that is Superman, Batman, someone else from the Justice League, and like maybe X-Men, right? And so where a book like Blade is really competing is for like their last like 10 bucks. And that last 10 bucks might be on like an indie thing, might be on an image book they really like, or, you know, might be on some other thing they really like, right? So, so, you know, I'm kind of competing for that kind of extra spend when they get done, you know, kind of reading the stuff that's just flying off the shelves every month because of the nature of what the character is. So I got to make sure that that book is worth it. Totally. You know, that, that it has, you know, it has the aesthetics are in there, that there's some action in there on, on a blade book, you know, there's some horror in there that the character, you know, uh, feels driven and you're watching them make choices and have consequences, you know, so that's, that's what I try to do. So when people see my name on a book, which, you know, happens sporadically because of my schedule, but if you see Brian Hill's name in a book, I want people to know like, oh, this is going to be worth it. I may not love every choice he does, but I know he's not going to just waste my time and money, you know, and at least I'll give him an issue to find out like what he's doing in this series or what he's doing with this mini series or whatever it is, you know? And so, you know, as long as I feel like I'm doing that, then I, I feel pretty good about where I am. Totally. And uh, people definitely, it is worth your time and your, oh, yeah. your dollars to pick up the Blade series. And it's although awesome. we don't have time to talk about it, because unfortunately the show is about to end, but uh, Brian, also the first issue of Ultimate Black Panther was an amazing read. Looking yeah. forward to see where that goes. And uh, of course, looking forward to see what other projects you have coming down the pipe. Oh, sure. Well, well, you know, thank you guys for having me. Thank everyone for listening right now. And if anyone listening has uh, picked up, you know, Blade or Black Panther or any of my previous work, if you've watched Titans, if, if you supported me in any way with your money or time, I genuinely appreciate you. I, I really do mean that. So uh, I always take this these moments on the microphone to thank the people that are the reason why I have a career at all. Right. Um, but, yeah, uh, you know, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, I'm not super active. Uh, on social media these days because I'm so busy, but right. it's at Brian Edward Hill, Brian with a Y. You can find me there. Um, and yeah, just, you know, just uh, stay tuned. I've got a lot of really exciting things, you know, in different lands of media to talk about. Um, I'm very tired, but I'm very happy that I'm tired for the right reasons. Exactly. Awesome. Uh, awesome. Well, I thank you for taking the time with us tonight. And of course, We'd love to have you back on again sometime to talk about more projects. And maybe we'll even talk a bit more about James Bond. Who knows? I'd love it. I would <laughs> love it. All right, folks. All right. All right have Here's a good some. one. Bye. Thanks, Brian. Thank you. So that's Brian Edward Hill. Definitely go to your local comic shop and pick up Black Pan Ultimate Black Panther number one and, of course, the current Blade series. The first trade of it has just come out and is in comic shops right now. Mr. Green, yeah, come and the Black the Panther comic. literally yeah. just came out like yeah. what, a week ago. Yeah, we've Do come we to the end of the program. Tell the good folks where they can find us. Uh, as always, more content can be can be found 
I don't know where I was going with that. Patreon.com slash geekard for everyone who does that now. Thank you guys ever so much. You guys are amazing. Thanks. Additional content is always available through YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest. Yes, search Geekard Show on any of those platforms and you'll find us there. Of course, check out our website, geekardshow.com for more news, reviews, and the podcast version of this very show available on Mondays after 2 p.m. Of course, if you're super forgetful like I am, you didn't listen live, the best thing to do is what, Andrew? Subscribe to us on your podcasting platform of choice. Awesome. And as always, continue the conversation with us. Email us at geekardshow at gmail.com. I want to thank Alex Millari Jr. and Brian Edward Hill for coming on the program. For Mr. Green and for Yuri, all the way back there in the booth, this is Andrew Young saying if you're going to geek out, you might as well geek hard on Reality Radio 101. Thank you for listening to Geek Hard with your hosts, Andrew Young and Mr. Green, right here on Reality Radio 101.